Hello, and welcome to But What If I Saw a Podcast. This is our first episode. We are very excited. And we just want to kind of give a little bit of information about what the podcast is going to be covering. So our podcast is going to be covering just life events in general and just how we maneuver through life because it has its ups and downs. But we are going to focus on mental health, which mental health is a part of life, right? Um, and so we really are going to cover that as well as current events, because we both like to know what's going on in the world. And, you know, that does impact our mental health as well. So that is really what our podcast is going to be about. And just having like a good dialogue between friends um, and family, um, and family. About, you know, <laughs> what's going on with us. So let's kick it off. All right. I think that was a, a good way to, you know, kind of describe what we want this uh the space to be about right we are mental health professionals um so we have a lot of experience around that but we also have life experiences that relate to mental health um and we like you know we like the ratchet sometimes and we like the you know the things that are going on so we will talk about those things too but we're always going to try to tie it back to mental health because something that you know you said earlier that mental health is a huge aspect of all of our lives whether it's um, you know, things that we may be going on, maybe going on with us personally. Um, but I think, you know, when we think of mental health, we think of, you know, um, who might be hallucinating or having delusions or somebody who's talking to themselves. Um, and so while that is an aspect of mental health, more so mental illness, really, um, but mental health is such a broader concept. So we really want to make sure to, um, uh, bring all of that back to, you know, the actual concept of mental health. So, so yeah. So we want to start off every podcast with like a high and low, right? What, uh, what's been going well for us during the week, maybe something that we are anticipating and we're trying to prepare for, um, or maybe something that just was a, just very unpleasant, you know, during the week. And so, um, Sam, do you want to start? <laughs> so I like I like this idea Dom came up with this because I think that it's important to check in with your um loved ones and friends you know oftentimes we especially being in the helping field um most people think that we have it together and that you know even if you have overcome something in your past a lot of times people feel like oh they're good like they wear it well so i have to check in on them and you know i think me and don could both agree you need to check in on your strong friends because people sure. can be going through you know the mud and be wearing it very well and you wouldn't even know but inside they're really struggling so i really like that we are going to start each podcast with this so uh, let's go with my highs and lows of the week. So some highs are um, my nine to five. I put in a um, application for a new position. I'm yeah. excited. Um, I'm more so excited because this position was advertised um, about two years ago. And I was asked to apply for it and I did not because it was right after my mom had passed and I was in the mud, like in it. Yeah. And I just knew that although I, you know, felt like I really, you know, met all the requirements and really could do the job, I knew it wasn't fair to myself, my family, 
and to the team to really put myself out there and apply because I was just not in the headspace. So now I am in a much better headspace and I am looking forward to, you know, the interview and I'm looking forward to put myself out there. You know, I've done a lot of great work uh, professionally and I'm ready to, you know, see where it goes. So that is my high yeah. that I'm looking forward to. And then yeah. <laughs> my, I wouldn't say it's a low, I would say more of like a thorn. Um, So my thorn is that, you know, I still have, although I have done a lot of work personally on myself, I still have um some things that others do that impacts me directly. And, um, you know, I think I have shared that I, I have, um, custody of my two nephews and niece and um unfortunately with fortunately and fortunately unfortunately is um fortunately we get to raise and love these children and give them the care that they need but unfortunately is when you are um caring for children who are not physically yours um you also have to deal with the different aspects of others in their life and um that comes with challenges uh, because things may take place that you personally would not have done or you um, are not in that headspace or in that place you know any longer um, and so it impacts the kiddos and then you have to kind of figure out how you're going to respond to that so that would be my thorn but I will say that that thorn is not like edged in my side it's coming out and I'm gonna keep right. it so right right what about you I really I really like, you know, the putting yourself out there for the job, right? I think um, it's so nice that that opportunity came back around at a time when you were ready to pursue it, right? And that doesn't always happen exactly the way it shows up initially, right? So the fact that it's coming back around um, at a time where you're feeling better is is a good thing. Um, and, you know, similar to your thorn, um, which I'll talk about mine as well, is definitely very, you know, very similar. So as far as um, my high for the week, um, there's a couple of things that happened, um, but I'd say my high is, um, it probably doesn't necessarily feel like a high, but um, it didn't in the moment, but after reflecting um, with the, with the, with the, beginning stages of the business, right? Just trying to navigate through things you don't know. Um, and in the moment, those things feel really uncomfortable. Um, but I'm calling that a, a high because I'm trying to just get comfortable with the discomfort. Um, comfort sometimes feels, I think it, my, it reminds me of a time in my life where um, that uncomfortable feeling was unsafe. And what I'm recognizing is this discomfort on the business isn't unsafe, right? And I think sometimes it takes a while for your body to register that while this feeling feels the same, is it the same? And so I'm trying to just connect those those two things that like this the uncomfortableness of all of the changes of you know being a an entrepreneur and a business owner is um, uncomfortable, but it doesn't mean that it's unsafe. Um, and so week to week you know you know one week I may have this idea and this thought about how I want things to operate and then I learn something new and I'm like oh maybe I don't want that so again another high is that like I'm 
trying to just lean into flexibility. Pivoting. Into, yes, pivoting, right? And just leaning into the fact that like what you, when you get new information, it's okay to change your mind, you know? And we oftentimes see that as people um, who might get new information and change their mind as like, you know, maybe fake or, you know, and the reality is you should change your mind when you get new information. And so I'm just trying to lean into that, that, you know, if I, I wanted to operate in this way, I got new information. Now I'm thinking maybe that's not the way to go. Um, and while that does feel uncomfortable, just trying to lean into being flexible, being open, um, that, you know, what I may have initially thought may not be the best option for now, you know, and like, it's going to change often. And that change is very uncomfortable for me. So I'm just trying to lean into that. So that's a high for me. Um, I'd say a thorn for me is <laughs> similar to like working on yourself. I've definitely, um, someone who's very self-reflective, someone who um, tries to like really assess. And I think similar to me and you, we both are overthinkers. So like I'm constantly like and overthinking. Um, and one thing that I'm really struggling with with the business is like trying to balance being a mom, a wife and a business owner and working a nine to five while trying to start something new. Um, and I think thorn per se is because I want to a lot of detail but what I'm learning is that I um get my value from like doing right you being a part of a a system or a family where I'm doing this and I'm doing that and while we're not super traditional here uh in this Flint household <laughs> um, <laughs> a part of me that struggles with like knowing that when I'm like working later hours after working a nine to five that like there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be rested on my husband's shoulders and he can handle it like he and he's willing and ready to handle it I'm struggling with letting go yes and just <laughs> recognizing that we've set up a routine the way that you know we set up a routine and a structure and a system so that means anybody can step in and do it. You know what I mean? Like we've done a good job at doing that and just trying to like remind myself that is this, this venture into this, you know, being an, an entrepreneur and a business owner is part of my role, right? That my role isn't just, you know, doing the things that wives, you know, can do, doing the things that moms can do. Um, you know, and that looks different for everybody, right? I don't want to necessarily generalize that moms and wives do certain things, but like the things that I get to do in this home as a wife and a mom, I appreciate, I love, I enjoy. And I had just, just reminded myself that like venturing into this is going to take you away from some of that stuff for a while. My therapist was kind of helping me kind of figure out that like, even even with a a routine, things within that routine are still going to look different, right? So you might be scheduled for a seven o'clock um, assessment. If they cancel, then you have that extra hour to go, you know, spend time with your family or whatever. And so I, I guess I'm just trying to like figure out that like team, being a part of a team doesn't look one way. And if you look at that structure from like a football team, you know, everybody plays a role and they can't, Everyone can't be the quarterback. Everybody can't be, you know, the tight end. Like, you know, like everybody has a role and 
in that role, sometimes those things change. So I'm just really trying to lean into like leaning on people and depending on what's already set up to work and, you know, kind of don't self-sabotage this process by like wanting it to be a certain way or the way that it, that feels comfortable. Again, comfortability. Yeah. like Comfortability. Comfortability. Yeah. Big thing. Yeah. And yeah. you know, the good thing is that you have what a lot of people seek is a great partner, right? Your partner mm-hmm. is very supportive of your goals, which I think is huge, right? It's very yeah. important is that, you know, you know that you have that support and that allows you to have that flexibility to go and pursue things that you are wanting to do. And you are so much more than just a mom and a wife, right? You were Dominique before you were a mom and a wife. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, we, I think, you know, one of the things that is important is you want to make sure that you remember who you are, right? Because we can get so bogged down. And again, it's not that it's a negative because I love being a wife. I love being, you know, a um, parent, a guardian of children and raising them and and seeing all the things that they like to do and helping them reach those goals. However, I am a goal oriented person, right? So mm-hmm. I I thrive in having a goal. I If I do not have a goal, I am lost in this world. And so yeah. I have to also make sure that I'm feeding myself, right? I'm feeding the yeah. desires that I have because if I'm not doing that and I'm losing who I am, I'm not going to be able to function as a mom or function yeah. as a wife in the capacity that I need to because I've lost myself, right? And mm-hmm. a part of who I am in those roles is who I am individually, right? And so like, yeah. I think that's important to remind yourself, like, you could be a killer mom, you could be a killer wife, but you also have to cater to yourself first. You have to feed yourself. Yes. Because if you're not feeding yourself, you have no nutrition to go and do these other roles. So I think like yeah. that's important. And I'm glad that you are thinking about that. And you have a great supporting partner. And you know that like, Again, what your therapist said, just because you take a moment to not, you know, maybe you didn't do bedtime that night doesn't mean that you won't do bedtime again. Right. Doesn't right. mean that there won't be another bedtime. Um, and he's still getting the bedtime routine done. You're having someone fill in for you. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like you right. need those those experiences so that you can do the things that you want to do, too. In the same way, you know, I'm sure it goes with your husband. He has things mm-hmm. that he wants to pursue as well. And you will play that supporting role for him, too, yeah. so he can achieve those goals. And I think that that's important because you're also teaching your son what that looks like to have a good partnership, right? Absolutely. And that's really yeah. important. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's true. And that's the um, ongoing work of... <laughs> someone who is you know really trying to show up and be the best version of myself and that's gonna look different you know as the years go on but in this moment in this season like I I do want to be someone who um is modeling certain behaviors and and to your point it is good for you know my son to see you know that daddy can step in and do the same things that mommy can do and and the thing is, it, it really is just me because he's often like, I can do bedtime. I can put, you know, I can do this. I can do that. And I'm like, no, I can't. I can't. Yeah. Like, you know? <laughs> and so it's really about me just really like relinquishing some of that, uh, those duties and knowing that they can get done by other people. Um, and it doesn't lessen my value, right? Yeah. It doesn't lessen. Because I think that's the biggest thing too is, is that we get our value from some of these things. 
and we don't when we think that's the only place our value can come from we close off opportunities where we can get more value in other ways you know like like i'm you know i'm i'm constantly growing constantly wanting to challenge myself so who knows where else my value can come from and so i just i don't want to limit myself by the only place my value can come from you know because i know that that's not true you know but i'm i'm not really allowing myself to explore that if i'm just you know again stuck in you know not wanting to let go not want to relinquish some of these duties and just kind of allowing myself to soar you know what i mean yeah. see where else I, I can go, you know being fluid being fluid and i think you yeah. know that's a good segue into what this podcast is about right so when we were talking, we've been talking about a podcast for a while. Forever. <laughs> and, you know, I think every time we're around each other, we have these long, in-depth discussions about, you know, what's going on in the world or just talking about, you know, social issues, talking about things in the mental health field, things that are happening with us personally, professionally. And we always are going in, like, even our husbands are like, all right, like, come on, we're at a party. Right <laughs> Ram, now. It up. <laughs> Ram it up. Ram it up. Are talking about this really right now. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's just something that feeds us and we really like it. And so we yeah. thought, you know, because we love having these discussions, we love, you know, um, talking about things. We really wanted to create a space where as young Black professionals, we could have a safe space to kind of talk to each other about things that are going on but also we have a lot of expertise in this these areas right and I think that that's also another reason why we were driven to begin this podcast is we're starting to pursue our own um, personal endeavors um, professionally as well but also that there's a lot of people who are giving um, information to people who don't really have the expertise um, and that can be problematic, right? That can be um, a concern because people who, just because you have a platform doesn't mean that you are handling that platform in a um, correct manner, right? Um, and so what often we're seeing is people who have a platform talking about things and giving um, their experience to others. And that can really adjust or mess with people on how they choose to pursue something. So, you know, if you hear someone who has a platform talking about their experience with a therapist, um, it can really stop someone from seeking therapy, right? And we both know there's tons of different therapists, right? I mean, I've been in therapy, you know, the majority of my life. Um, and I've had some great therapists and I've had some therapists who may have been great, but they just were not great for me. Um, and so I really didn't get anything out of the exchange, but that does not mean that therapy in itself is a bad thing or it doesn't work for me. It just means that, you know, again, that therapist and I weren't able to form that therapeutic alliance to really do the work that was needed. Um, and so I had to go elsewhere. I currently have a therapist who is amazing um, and she is able to uh, dig deeper, especially because I myself am a therapist. And so I know how to give people just enough to make them mm -hmm. like, oh, this session was great. Like she did a lot of work and, <laughs> you know, and really and like, yeah, I sure did. <laughs> I'm 
I'm like, girl, that was nothing. Like, I gave you just the surface. That was nothing. But now I have someone who knows and calls me out on that, right? Like, you know, wait a minute. Let's go a little bit deeper. Like, I don't think we're we're there yet. We're not at the roots of the issue. We ain't right at the surface. So I think like that's important, right? But again, if I would have gone off of some of my prior experiences and went and talked about that and really did a generalized idea of what therapy was, that could really impact other people who are looking to possibly get help or wanting to even inquire about it to think like, I don't know, therapy just doesn't sound like it's for me. It definitely is for you. It's for everyone. But you have to make sure that you have a connection with the therapist, that you have are able to, again, form that therapeutic alliance so that you can do the work because therapy is hard. Like, you know, anytime you are exploring something that's uncomfortable is going to be um, difficult, right? Because it's something new. It's a challenge. Um, It's something that is uncomfortable, but you do the work. And if you found someone that you really are comfortable with being vulnerable, right? I think that's the big takeaway is being able to find someone that you are okay with being vulnerable with, because you're going to explore parts of yourself that even you have hidden from yourself, right? Mm. And you are, they're literally taking a flashlight and going into these deep, dark places that you probably haven't visited in so long that you might not even have known were there. And they're going to yeah. come with that flashlight and shine that light on there and say, wait a minute, what's this? Wait a minute, what's that? And then you're going to do that uncovering and go and explore that. And hopefully now you have brought light into that area where it's no longer this you know, secret um, hideaway spot. Um, and now you are able to feel like you are healing. And that's really what therapy is. And you want to make sure you have a good person who's doing that exploring with you. And who's also doing their own exploring as an individual. Like, I think the therapists that are really good therapists and 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 and, and, and there's so many aspects and we'll get into this as we, you know, continue, but. There's so many aspects that can make a therapist a good therapist or just one who is not skillful, right? Mm -hmm. And I think one way to really help sharpen yourself as a clinician is doing your own work. You know what I mean? Like if if you're not invested in doing your own work, it can make it challenging because again, we're people, we're therapists, but we're people. So we're often, we often have moments where we've hidden things from ourselves and we've ignored things that we've experienced and that can have an impact on how you show up as a clinician, you know, whether or not it's intentional, whether it's um, in your subconscious, you know, whether it's indirect, it, it doesn't matter. It can definitely have an impact. And so while supervision is very important for the clinical work, the emotional work that you need to do to kind of um, address some of your own challenges is not really appropriate for supervision. It's really appropriate for an, another licensed professional who can, again, help you because while you are a therapist, you are a human first. And so, um, you know, I think that that is, that is something to, to think about when, when you're in this field and, and when you're looking for a therapist, what kind of work are they doing on their own um, to really, again, address some of their own challenges? Yeah, I, I think that's important, right? If your therapist is not working on themselves because again just because you have overcome some type of adversity or challenge in your life life does not say oh i think you're at your you know your max you you have hit the amount 
resilience that I feel like you needed to have. So I'm going to leave you alone. No, life just keeps on lifing. And so like mm-hmm. you want to make sure that whoever you are talking with, whether it be a therapist, whether it be, you know, maybe you have moved on past the therapist and you're going to a life coach. You want to make sure that whomever you're talking with or a spiritual leader, that they have some type of background and they are doing the work on themselves so that they can help you as well. Because if you're not functioning fully, how are you going to then help someone else put on their mask? You can't because you're going to be able right. to breath. Like, like oh, right. Let me let me help you out, and then I'm gonna pass out, and then I'm not right. good for myself or you. <laughs> so you want to make sure that your therapist or whoever you're working with, again, spiritual leader, life coach, or whomever, has on their mask, their oxygen mask, and then they're able to then put on yours. And now you guys can breathe together and do the work. But if they're over there huffing and puffing and looking for their asthma pump. Right. You can't tell me nothing about breathing because I'm wondering if you have another breath left. <laughs> right. Know? Exactly. Exactly. So, you exactly. know, I think that, that that really is important to really mm-hmm. when you think about forming a working relationship with someone that you make sure that they also are doing the work. You know, I think that that's important. Yeah. Now, I don't know how you ask that as a potential client, right? Because I, I don't know if and as far as disclosure goes, like, is it appropriate to disclose to a client that you're in therapy? But you can absolutely say, I am committed to continued work on myself or on being a therapist. I mean, there's ways that you can say it without too much away. Because, again, you do want to be mindful of that therapeutic relationship. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that even though, like, I know as, as a therapist myself, I never go into these situations um with the understanding that I am some somehow above the client right I definitely look at that relationship as like an equal relationship but ethically there is a differential in terms of power right and so you do just want to be mindful of what you share and how you share it um because you don't want to you don't want what you share especially if it's not in the best interest of the client you don't want to share that information and it not be useful to them. Like, cause then you're just sharing it. Like this person is your friend and your client's not your friend. Right. So you, you do want to be mindful of what you share and how you share it. Um, but I think there's a way to share it without giving too much away. Um, so that that client or potential client knows that you are to your, to yourself and your own growth. Um, and that that's a continued process. Um, no matter how old you are or what stage you're at in your life. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think it, it shows too, like maybe you're not able to to ask that to your therapist or whoever you're working with, but it also shows if someone is doing the work, right? Because I have mm-hmm. been in therapy sessions where the person is sharing or showing an emotional response, right? To something that I'm sharing. And now I feel like, it's awkward because I'm in this session and I feel like I am supporting this individual. And that is a red flag, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so like that lets me know, you know, and again, like I said, we're human therapists have good and bad days, you know, just like anyone else. However, if you are doing the work on yourself, you're able to put that aside for that session, be yeah. 
that individual. And then you check in with whomever you're working with to go mm-hmm. ahead and unpack that, right? Um, and I think that that's important. You put your baggage, you know, again, like I said, life, life. That's what it happens. So maybe you put your baggage at the door. You go into that, mm-hmm. session, have that meaningful interaction. You help that person unpack their baggage that they came into the session with. And then when you're done with that session, you can open the door and pick your baggage back up and then go and unpack it with whomever you have in your life that is helping you do that. But what I've seen and I've had experience with is sometimes that baggage has came into that session where I have my own baggage. And now I'm like, wait a minute. It's only so many seats, so many baggage claims in this place. And your baggage is taking up all of it. And now I got my bag on my lap. And I'm like, well, where do I right. stay? <laughs> you know? But, and right, that, right. you know, I think that that is a clear sign that maybe you need to identify if this is the therapist for you or whomever, you know, the spiritual coach or, you know, life coach, yeah. whoever you're interacting with, maybe, you know, that's not for you at this time. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. You know, there's tons yeah. of people who are in the helping field. And again, I always tell people it's like dating, right? There's ton of fish in the sea. You want to make sure that you are testing this out. And I know a lot of therapists who will do, um, you know, a what is it like where you can do a consult call to see if we really mesh, you know, are we going to be mm-hmm. good working with each other? Cause that's the other thing is I could be working on myself and be in a good place. And then so a client reaches out to me, we have a discussion and I realize like, I'm not that therapist or life coach for that individual. And that's completely fine. Right. Right. And I mm-hmm. think like you have to be honest that you can't just be willing to accept any client just because, you have to make sure that you guys are good for each other and you're actually going to be mm-hmm. able to do the work. So I think like that's also it is that, you know, try and see if you could do a consult or maybe you have a first session and you just realize, you know what, this just, it doesn't work out. That's completely fine. Please mm-hmm. go and find someone else. If, even if I could give you a referral to a colleague or, you know, someone that I could recommend, I will try and do that. Um, yeah. But again, I'm human. I have my own experiences and my own background. You have your own experiences and background. We just may not be in a place where we connect. That's completely fine. I don't take offense to that. I'd rather you go and find someone who really can connect with you so you can do that meaningful work than to hold on to you. And now we both not getting anything out of it. And we're in a session for 45 minutes to an hour. And it's like we're wasting each other's time. That's Mm -hmm. that's not meaningful. And that's not why I got into this field in the first place. So I think that's something to check into. Yeah. I mean, I think those are really good points. Um, I know someone or I was communicating with someone who said that, that, you know, when they're looking for like a clinician that they shop around. And I was like, I love that because I never even considered that like it's a service right so if I was going to buy a dress or if I was you know going to you know if I was going going somewhere to spend money um why wouldn't I shop around you know what I mean like why you know and so when I heard that I was like oh I love that like I love to hear you know that you are not just jumping in bed with the first clinician that you talk to right that you are like I'm going you know I'm gonna spread spread around, you know, do these, you know, intakes and, and really just see if, if there's, if there's a connection, right? Because I think that's important. I think both of us recognize that 
it doesn't matter. Statistically, studies show that like it doesn't matter the modality that's used in therapy. It doesn't matter how many years of therapy or how many years you've been a therapist. It doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. What truly matters is that you've built a therapeutic alliance and that, that, that you and that client, but specifically that client feels connected to you, that they really have, um, they really feel connected to you as a clinician. And so once you, once you understand that, like once someone is like, oh, I really, I really rock with this clinician. I really feel connected to this person. I really feel like I could go there because really feeling connected. And it, it speaks to like the vulnerability aspect that you spoke about earlier is like, Clients don't feel comfortable being vulnerable if they don't trust you or if they don't believe what you say or if they're just not connected to you. So it truly is a better thing for a clinician to say, look, I'll give you a referral if I'm not the therapist for you. Like, I'll help you find somebody else. I'm totally cool. It's totally okay because I don't want to take your money if you ain't feeling me. Like, you know, I, I need you to feel... I need us to do some work. And if you can't do that work with me, I'd rather you do it with somebody who you feel connected to. Right. So I, I think that's, that just speaks to like not taking it personal and just realizing that it's about the client. Um, And like, it's also, I don't want to be working with somebody who ain't feeling me. Like it's not, it ain't a good feeling for me either. It's not, so, and if you've ever been in a session with someone and you know y'all not connecting, it is, and you're trying to, it's like pulling teeth, right? Trying to get out the little bit of information as possible. And it's like, by the time your session is done, you as a clinician are t- exhausted. You're mentally exhausted because you over there doing flips, you know, turns, all types of things to try to make it work. The client also feels exhausted because they literally have tried to figure out how they can maneuver to give you just enough so you feel like the session is worth it and they didn't get anything out of it. So now you guys have both ended this session and it's like nothing was, you know, accomplished. Nothing was accomplished. Right. That client is feeling just as bad as they were when they first walked in. You are exhausted because you're like trying to figure out how you can pull information. And it's just like it's not helpful. And mm-hmm. what I try to remind myself is what if this was a loved one? Right. And I think that's something that I've always taken with me when I interact with people is if this was my loved one seeking help, how would I want them to be treated? How would I want their their concerns to be met? And with a loved one, I want them to get the best care possible. I want them to get fed what they need to get fed. And if I'm serving, you know, uh, chicken and mashed potatoes and they're a vegetarian, I don't want them to be over there trying to figure out how they could just eat off of the mashed potatoes. Right. They don't have no substance. I want them to get their full meal. So I think like that's important. And that's something that I constantly carry with me is you want to make sure that you're treating people like they are someone's loved one, because it could have been your Mm -hmm. loved one. And don't be so focused on, well, I need, you know, clients. Yes, you do. But the other thing is if you are keeping someone who's not getting anything from that interaction, them booking, you know, several sessions with you is not going to happen, right? Um, because they're not getting anything from it. So now you have tried to invest yourself in this partnership and they're not invested. So really was that, you know, getting the one to three sessions worth it? No. 
You know, right. and they're also not going to tell anyone about you because they're not getting right. anything out of it. So now that <laughs> right. word of mouth is not working either. Or what they're going to do is they're going to share that interaction with other people. And now that is going to turn people away from seeking your services because you did not yeah. connect with that individual. So I think like those are things to definitely consider when you are creating a partnership with someone is to make sure that you both are getting some type of nutrition out of that interaction. That's really key. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, depending on your comfort level as a clinician, you can just say like, this ain't feeling right. Right. I mean, like, do you feel it? I feel it. Yeah. Do you feel it because this is, whatever whatever feeling comes to you I mean I think that sometimes sharing that immediacy uh, in the moment um, is also useful because you can you can dance around it and act like it doesn't exist or you can just be up front and say look do you feel it let's talk about it you know what I mean like let's let's figure it out together and um, I think just having that kind of open dialogue um, regarding just the the energy um, that's that's present, um, I think is important. And for many people who come to therapy, that's not been their experience. They've not had people who've been honest about, you know, what the energy is like, you know, that something just feels off. Um, you know, people, you know, depending on their childhoods, they're like, how they grew up, you know, avoidance may have been the thing that they needed to stay safe. So really putting it out there and then saying like, you know, there's no hard feelings, but I'm feeling this thing and I want to know if you feel it too, you know, and can we, can we explore it? I think that's something that um, can be useful, um, especially if a, a client is unsure about um, their work with you and if they want to continue that work, you know, so that's something else to, to think about. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. So while we talked about, you know, kind of like the therapeutic alliance and relationship, um, I do want to go back to why we came up with the name of our podcast, because I think that it's important. Yeah. Um, okay. And I think it also brings the humanity um, idea to us, right, as therapists. And again, yeah. I am a life coach. Um, and so although I previously was a therapist, I am now moving into um, providing life coaching to individuals. And I think that one of the things that we found is that even with all the work that we have done, all the experience and expertise that we have, we still have periods of fear, right? Especially when we are pursuing something new. And we are both currently pursuing opening up our own businesses. And you know, you are going to be doing therapy, I am going to be doing life coaching with mental health as an aspect. And there was a lot of fear there, right? Um, a lot of mm-hmm. the fear of the unknown, the fear of putting yourself out there, you know, once again, trying something new. And we had numerous discussions about what we were feeling and being honest and being honest with our vulnerability, right? And it was, what if I fail, right? What if this, I put all this time and money and energy into this um, pursuing of a goal and it goes nowhere. And what we kind of talked about was, what if, we can focus on the what ifs, right? Because there's there's a whole lot of them, right? A lot of them. We can't predict the future. But what if we soar? What if we find out that we are out of the nest 
And now we have these wings that are, you know, huge that we never use because we allow fear to kind of drive us. And so that is where the name of our podcast came from is, but what if I soar? You know, we can always have a long list of all the what ifs, but let's try to reframe that. Let's try to reframe what that fear looks like and think about it from a, we don't know the future, right? And even if it's where, you know, it's scary, it's uncertain, we have wings, right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, we can pivot in the sky. And so I think that that's important. And that's really what we wanted to kind of center this podcast around is that we all have fears, no matter what type of work you've done, what background you have, the fear never fully goes away. But you can use that fear as drive. And you can soar. And I think like that's that's really what the the main takeaway was is that we are out here soaring. And we want that idea to resonate with the listeners, right? We want we want you all to consider moments where you felt like an imposter. Maybe you felt like you didn't measure up or that you wanted to try this new thing, had this new idea, wanted to create this new thing. And you talked about all of the things that could go wrong, right? And to be honest, our brains are wired that way. We are wired to to acknowledge or to see um, the, all the negative things that can happen first. And it's really it's a it's a defense that our brain has to to, to keep us safe, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we're trying to be positive, that is a that's a daily practice. That's a practice that you have to be intentional about because our brains are just not wired to, you know, see the sunshine and the rainbow and the flowers. Like, no, the, our brains are wired to see the, the, the lions, tigers, and bears. Like that, <laughs> that's what our brains are wired to do. And sometimes the, the new things that we want to try, the ideas that we have, the new things we want to explore in our lives, um, they they are things we want to do, but they are the lion, tiger, and bear, right? And so it's really we want the, our listeners to also to to take away that you can focus on the negative, or you can focus on the things that could go wrong. We want you to reframe that as well, the same way we're learning to reframe that and, and to think, well, what are some good things that could happen, right? What 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 are some takeaways that we could get from this experience you know even if it doesn't necessarily go the way you envision because nothing ever goes the way you envision um does it though what what was some positive thing from that that i learned um that i could take away for the next venture that i you know and it doesn't have to be related to business it could be anything in your life that you are just like mm, i want to I, I have this desire um yeah. but all of my fears are really impacting my ability to like push through those barriers and say, I'm going to try it anyway. I'm going to do it anyway, you know? So that's what we want the listeners to take away um, is recognizing that you're doing what your brain is designed to do. And it's a practice to kind of um, move around that and, and, and give yourself an opportunity. Um, You know, I, I couldn't, I'm someone who is always wrapped up in my anxiety, always like, I don't know if I want to try, I don't know if I want to do that. And so what I'm learning is, is, is that thing, right? How can I reframe this experience and, and, and in spite of the fear, do it anyway, you know what I mean? So 
I like that too, in spite of, right? Because there we're not creating this illusion that the fear goes away, right? The fear mm -hmm. is still much there, just like the anxiety is still much there. Um, but you are allowing that to be there, but it's not being the center, right? It's not being the main event, the main um, quarterback in the play, right? It is still mm -hmm. there. You're still aware of it, but you are still moving even though it's there, right? And I think like right. that's the importance is that you can have all these different feelings and you can be honest and, you know, admit to having those feelings, right? But you still do not allow it to paralyze you. And I think like that's the main takeaway is that even though these things are still here and we're still dealing with them, right? We are still allowing ourselves to take that step forward and we are bringing it along with us. Yeah are still continuing to go forward and I think like that's the big takeaway that we want our listeners to have is that fear anxiety or whatever you know emotions that you are feeling it's okay right it's it, we mm -hmm. want to normalize these reactions or normalize these feelings um yep. but we don't want it to paralyze us or even yeah. if it does for a moment we don't want to be stuck there so we want to mm -hmm. continue to forward with these feelings while we continue to unpack them and do the meaningful work that is needed yeah. we're still moving forward because that's what life is is you have to continue to move forward you can't keep looking back right because if you're looking back you're not paying attention to the road in front of you and you might be missing things that could really bring you out of the place that you're at um and mm -hmm. then part of that is gratitude right is that you are replaying the tape you are looking forward and you're knowing that, you know what, even with this fear, I'm still stepping into this new place and I'm seeing these different experiences and I'm taking away stuff from it. Um, and I think that yeah. that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So what you all can expect is, you know, again, like we said at the at the beginning, you know, we'll definitely do our check-ins, right? Um, that's important. Um, and then we will... Um, talk about an aspect of mental health, right? Whether that's um, boundary setting and, and what that looks like. Um, what will, but, but, the, but the thing I want you all to take away is that there is um, application, right? And so I think we want to make sure that we talk about the theory, we talk about the importance of, for example, a setting boundaries, right? Why is that necessary? Why is that important? But I think in terms of application, what we want to focus on is like, while we know this is important, here are all the reasons why it's hard to set boundaries in our lives, right? So, so whether it's with your spouse or significant other, whether it's a friend, which we rarely really talk about relationships as it relates to friendships, right? We are just so focused on like our romantic relationships. So we'll talk about that and like all of the, the reasons why these barriers might make it difficult. Because I think what we understand is it's easy to 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 point out the, the necessity, but sometimes we miss like those neat nuances, right? Mm -hmm. Those nuances that really make it hard for us to operate in a way that we know is is appropriate. Um, and that's just because, again, we're human, right? We know what we should do, but sometimes when the music is playing and we're faced with doing that thing, there are so many barriers that get in the way. And so we really want to, make sure we talk about that from a mental health perspective, but also from a personal perspective and from just like being a regular person, 
navigating through these situations and why it might be difficult. And then hopefully, you know, if there is um, time to maybe talk about a topic in the news or something that's going on, we can really kind of talk about that, but really add our own twist to it in terms of including the, like maybe the mental health component of that. Um, we're not going to always agree, which we hope, um, you know, because I think that that really adds to just different perspectives, right? When we're talking about nuanced things, uh, we're not going to always agree. And so, you know, having those conversations, um, you know, with somebody that you trust, um, being able to disagree and not feel, you know, fear around that um, is a good thing, you know? So we want to highlight that as well. Um, and then, if, and, and as we are growing this podcast, if there's things that you want us to talk about, you know, we have thought about adding um, some kind of component where listeners can maybe ask questions and we can answer them on the podcast. So we'll definitely keep you all posted to that. Um, but that's really what you can expect um, from the podcast. Anything you want to add to I think, you know, I think you covered a lot. We definitely want people to be invested and also get your questions, you know, answered. Um, like I said, I think we, Dawn pointed out, we have our own experiences, our own backgrounds. So we're not always going to agree, but how do you do that in a respectful manner, right? And just because mm -hmm. you don't agree doesn't mean that that person is wrong or you're right. It just means that you have a difference of opinions and that's completely fine, right? And I think that that's healthy to have that dialogue and maybe, you know, we can take something away from that interaction. So I think that that's important. I really think, you know, the overall focus and one of the things that I am covering with my life coaching is to help people become more resilient, right? Um, and a part of resilience is to know that we all face challenges, and we all face adversity, and just, you know, things, hurdles that we come across, and how you can maneuver through that as gracefully as possible, but also honor that experience. And I think like, that's the other takeaway, a part of this podcast is that we are going to be talking about things that are happening in the world. You know, we're going to be talking about things that are happening within ourselves, professionally, personally, but we're also going to honor our experiences. Cause I think that that's also important is that we have, um, had these experiences and there's some type of lesson that we yeah. took away from it. Um, and so honoring that, and then also honoring that we are too, you know, young, I like to say young, young. Um, <laughs> two young professionals in a field um, that has not had the best history with minorities um, and how we maneuver through that ourselves, but also for our listeners, right? How do you maneuver through the mental health space, seeking help, seeking guidance, and knowing that there are realistic fears, right, behind what has been the history of that? Um, and so I think that we're also going to highlight that and talk about it and have honest discussions. I think that that, that really is the takeaway, that we want to have honest vulnerable, informative discussions about different things. And so we want you guys to be a part of that journey. We want you guys to, you know, definitely check in with us, um, you know, on our social media. If you have questions, comments, concerns, definitely, you know, um, write to us, access things. If you want it to be anonymous, that's also something that we are definitely, you know, pro for. Uh, but we want you guys to be a part of this journey as we are growing and soaring together. Mm -hmm. We want you guys to learn to soar as well um, and just have it be a beautiful experience. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So I think one topic that we definitely wanted to, you know, just briefly touch on um, in the media this week, uh, there was a lot of conversation about the Titanic and, <laughs> um, and, and trigger warning, because we are going to talk a little bit about, you know, some of the, the things that happened um, as it relates to the Titanic and the submersible, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, and um, that there were also, at the, around the same time that, that this stuff was going on, there was also a story uh, about migrants from Libya who were on um, in, in transition to Greece and during their journey, um, 700 people or 600 people were on a boat and it went down and, and some people were recovered, but hundreds of people who were on that boat were not. Um, and not a lot of coverage was given to that story. Uh, lots of coverage was given to the story of uh, the individuals who paid $250,000 um, to go to the bottom of the ocean to see the Titanic. And so we, as we were talking about maybe the first topic that we wanted to touch on, we recognized that, that this, these two stories are very uh, touchy and emotional for people. Um, but there's so much um, that I think and that we thought was just very interesting about how these stories um, got highlighted and what ways were they highlighted, who who highlighted those stories, who didn't highlight those stories. And all of the all of the discussion around worth and who is deserving of worth and who's deserving of. Um, you know, resources being put together to to recover you and all these things, right? That um, that that I think are very interesting uh, when you think about these these two stories. So, what 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 kind of thoughts do you have about um, these two stories? So, the first thing that came into my mind was, um, like I said earlier, we like to be informed on things that are going on in the world. And the way that the media covered these two different events, right? Um, and a big thing that I think we talked about was that the decision to to make these journeys by these different individuals, right? And how that was framed. Um, so the ability to make a... Um, decision to go to the Titanic, right? Having the means to do so um, versus making the um, decision to go on this journey um, out of necessity, right? And I think right. like that in itself is a whole discussion, right? The mm -hmm. me having the means to do something and then having to do it out of the necessity, right? Yeah. Um, and how we frame that. And I think, you know, one of the biggest takeaways from both interactions and when I saw, you know, obviously there was a lot of memes around it. Mm -hmm. Some of them funny, some of them more serious, a lot of different dialogue being around it. I think a big thing that was missing, and I did see some people covering it, but I did not see it as much from the media standpoint, um, was that you have individuals who had the means to go and experience something that the average person will never be able to do, right? Um, and they are able to go and discover things um, and experience things that are out of reach for a lot of people, right? Right. Um, and 
I think for for most people in general, spending two hundred fifty thousand to go and have this experience, especially when there's so many people who are struggling to have their basic needs met, um, mm-hmm. was met with a sense of I don't want to say disgust, but a sense of just not really being empathetic to the loss of life. Right. There's lots mm-hmm. of life on both of these these ventures. On both sides. And yeah. I think that because of what a lot of people are dealing with, there was a loss of compassion and empathy for those on the venture to explore the Titanic. And but on the other side, I think that there also was a loss of compassion and empathy for the individuals who were trying to migrate um to Greece. And I think that Oftentimes what happens is when we personally have not experienced or do not um, kind of recognize what someone's journey is, it's it's kind of like a nuance to us. It's hard for us to have compassion and empathy for that individual because it's something that we have not experienced ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that was a big takeaway for me on both of these things is that you had individuals who were literally trying to go to a place for a better life, right? And then you had individuals who were, you know, re- something was going on in their life where they wanted to explore something that was new, um, something that was exciting for them, and they decided to go on this venture. And the the drive for both of those things is very different, right? Yeah. One is taking a, a break from the um, regular days of their life, right? Um, whatever. And I'm sure their life was much different than mine. Um, mine too. The other one, again, having a much different life than mine was trying to escape something. And I think that's the other thing, right? Is that they both may have been trying to escape something, but the yeah. escape that they were seeking was very different. And yeah. how it was covered has been very different, right? And I think that there has been more coverage on the individuals who lost their lives trying to pursue um, this, you know, new um, exploring of a place that most people would not be able to visit. And then you had these individuals who were trying to escape something that probably left them in a fight or flight the majority of their life. Yeah. Unfortunately, in pursuing a a different life, they both have, you know, lost their lives. And I think that 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 was a takeaway for me and and just how people view these things, right? Um, One is more deserving of coverage than the other. Um, And even like right now, I was reading an article on CNN and their coverage was in regards to they had interviewed some of the individuals who were on the boat going to Greece. And um, one of the takeaway was that they were saying if, if the um, lifeguard or not the lifeguard, but if the um, coastal guard would have left us alone, we would have been fine. All right. And obviously the coast guard has a job to do. Right. right. Um, and there's some discussion in regards to if, 
their maneuvers that they did impacted the boat, um, you know, if they were a little bit more aggressive and that caused it to capsize. And again, that's a discussion that, you know, obviously will continue to happen as they do more investigation. But even if that is the case, will there be anything done about it? No, because in most people's eyes, the migrants were in the wrong, right? They yeah. were doing something that was illegal. Yep. They were doing something that was wrong. And so there will be no real um justice, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. if they the Coast Guard was a little bit more aggressive on their pursuit of pursuing these individuals that caused this, you know, great loss of life. Um and I've heard numerous times of, well, they knew what they were getting into. You know, they knew that it was a risk. And that, you know, again, it's uncomfortable for me because it's like, we all know about climate change, right? We all know about um, just the impact of, of just the weather and things like that. And what if in our comfortable places, what if we we're living in some of these war zones? What if we were living in a place where resources were very, very limited? Um, some of we- us are. That's the thing. Some of us are in this country. Some of yeah. us are living in those kind of places. And so that, not to cut you off, but like that, some of us are. When we call this country the greatest country, but there are some places in this country that do look like war zones. <laughs> you know, and so it's it's very interesting that we, as um as a America as a nation, can even turn their nose up at other countries and and the decisions that other people make to, you know, flee persecution. When many of us feel that way in this country today, I mean, it was just a year, um, you know, that the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade two days ago. I mean, like. You can tell a lot about a country by the way they treat the women, the way they treat the people who are at the margins. And America don't really have a leg to stand on all the time, but they yeah. feel like they do, you know? Yeah. And so that's the part that is so frustrating for me. Yeah. I also think that that highlights another point, right? Is that as Americans, we are, some of us have experienced adversity on a larger scale, right? And some of us, there's places in the United States that don't have access to clean water. There are places in the United States that do not have access to electricity. Um, and and that is shocking, right? That is shocking. And I think that a lot of people, when they hear that, they're like, no, that's not true. But it is, right? It is. Uh, and again, I, I've done a deep dive on these things. And I'm like, what? This is in America. But the other thing is that I think one of the things that has helped with tricking people, right, is that they may be in similar boats, but in their mindset, their boat is so much different than this other person that they can't even recognize and admit the similarities. So in their head, they're still above that other person. They're still above that other experience. And so when it comes to having empathy or compassion, they don't even think about it because in their mind, they're so far away from that, right? That would never be in that boat. I would never break the law. I would never, you know, and until it actually is where the light is shined on them and they are having to actually live in that reality, I don't think that they can even start to unpack that, right? They can't yeah. even 
fan of what is happening and why they're so similar, right? Again, you may not be actively every day, you know, thinking about your life and your limited resources, but you might have a version of that, right? And in your mind, you might have minimized that version, but it's still your reality, right? Like you said, there are mm-hmm. places where, you know, kids wake up and they are faced with, how can I safely get to school, right? Yeah. How can I safely get to school? Because that's my only meal for the day, right? Right. I, and I got, I got to get to school. Like, exactly. <laughs> like, I, you know, um, my stepmother, she had uh, grandparents who actually went through the Great Depression. And that has impacted her to this day to the point where she is constantly fearful of running out of food. She is constantly fearful of um, the government, you know, not being able to, so she has retired. And so she gets her um, pension. She also gets social security and she's always fearful of her social security being cut, right? And so she Mm. keeps a, a certain amount of savings which to most people are like, you're th- saying you don't have any money, but you have a savings. But in her mind, that is temporary. That is not yeah. something that she can count on. So every t- every month, she is fearful that her pension and her Social Security could be cut at any moment. And she lives in fear, mm-hmm. right? That is yeah. a realistic fear for her because she's had mm-hmm. family members who actually went through the Great Depression. And she remembers them telling her stories about having to boil boots. And, and trying to get some type of substance, running out of food. And although we are so much further along than where we were when the Great Depression happened, in her mind, that is a reality that can happen yeah. any day. And so that's how she lives her life. And she's constantly reminded. I think for a lot of people, they don't live in that reality. They don't live in that prior experiences, uh, their loved ones and things like that. They have really reduced the reality of which they lived in and they have this false yeah. sense of comfortability of, well, that could never be me, right? That yeah. would never be something that I would do. I would never break the law in order to save myself or my children or my family, right? But when we sit That's down and we actually unpack that, girl, there's nothing in this world that I would not do to save my my kids that are in my care, my husband, my dogs, you know? Right. I, I tell them all the time, I will go to war, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I would do some things for my family. But right. that's because I have a realistic conversation with myself. I know that we are all just one tragedy away from being in someone else's shoes, right? And that's a constant reminder. And that's something that I live with daily is that you never know when life can happen to you. And I think that a lot of people forget that. A lot of people are living in the, that would never be me. So I don't have any compassion. I don't have any empathy. I have no sympathy for someone else because that would never be my story. That will never be me. Um, And I think that that has really shown up in how we view these migrants who have lost their lives compared to all the search and rescue efforts of these billionaires, right? And, I, and mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to lie. I think that also some people don't have a lot of sympathy or compassion or empathy for the billionaires who've lost their lives. Yeah, But I even agree. look at the resources that were spent on these individuals um, compared to those who were, again, 
on a journey to try and and have a different life you know yeah that we the value that we place on people um really is sad on how we identify who should get what right who should get our sympathy who should get our concerns and who shouldn't um and i yeah. think that that definitely has been shown over these last couple of days in in coverage and again i mean the migrants minorities um yep how we view minorities right how we view what should be you know thought of of people in pursuit of a different way of life and again access mm-hmm. to means access to what their journey is and feeling like you know what that's messed up yeah yeah i think for me and and again i didn't follow the story either one a whole lot i've i've had a kind of a decline in which i'm not really happy about but like you know trying to do all these things it does make it hard to kind of stay tapped in um so hopefully this will really help me get back to that um but i think what was so um i wouldn't even say eye opening cuz it's not something that i'm i'm not aware of um but i think what often bothers me in many situations similar to this or not even similar but just in general is 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 who we decide is deserving of our empathy and our compassion and um our care you know what mm-hmm. i mean we are a society that really struggles to uh we struggle we struggle at calling people in and and caring for people and we're so quick to throw people away and 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 if if we think that something that someone has done is um there's no there's no coming back from there's there's no way to repair that particular harm, then they're not deserving. And and I I am someone who believes that like not only can I be someone who is harmed, but I can also be someone who inflicts harm. Like we all are capable of doing those things. And so um it was it was very uh on brand to me for um so much coverage and so much um so much, uh, so, so, such a, a such a big spectacle was made for the you know the wealthy individuals who um, you know who lost their lives, um, and not as much of a spectacle was made for the individuals who were like you were saying, really trying to um, remove themselves from uh, the the quality of life that they are living and what I think the biggest thing that frustrates me in these conversations is the lack of ability that imperialism has has made on that like how many of those countries who are seeking asylum or are trying to get away have had their resources sucked from their their countries by rich countries who have and looted and taken from these countries so that's why i get so frustrated because while you're pointing your finger at what you shouldn't do or what those people shouldn't have done where's your understanding of what other countries who have wealth and resources have done to those countries who are now like you took all of our stuff and now we need we we need help we need we need support we need 
to get away. And so, I, and, and again, I don't know, I don't know specifically, you know, you know what has been done to Libya in terms of imperialism, but I'm quite sure if I did some research, I could find, <laughs> you know, what I, mean? I could find some information about, you know, a European country or United States or some other rich nation that has taken from that country. And so what do you, and so that's on a macro level. So on a micro level, when I think of, you know, states and cities in, in America that struggle with resources and access, what, what, what has been taken from those countries or, or what, I mean, what has, what have been taken from those states and those cities and specifically what has, what, what have we decided again, because we decide who is worthy and who is deserving of resources and, and uh, um, a life, um, a life filled with, with access to resources and just a, a quality of life. We've decided that places, you know, in this country don't deserve resources. So we just, we fund our schools that way. We fund our communities that way. We take from these communities who we think are just not deserving, you know, who are not worthy of clean water in their communities, who are not worthy of, um, you know, the, uh, you know, access to resources in their communities. Like we, we've decided that, you know, these states, these cities, they don't, they don't deserve it. So I think that's what makes it so frustrating to me is we always talk about the effects of things, but we don't ever talk about the causes. What has happened? What, what, what caused the effects to be the effects? I think it's a very disingenuous conversation when we, when we don't, you know, when we, when we, when we have conversations about all of the many peoples of, of this country and of the world, but we don't ever want to talk about the thing that happened before, like what caused these things to be what they are. Um, and what are we actually doing differently? Right. Okay, so when we're talking, different. yeah, right. What are we doing differently? What are, are we going to continue to do the same thing for the next 40, 50 years and then scratch our heads? Like we don't know why things aren't changing. Well, it's not changing because we are deciding that these things don't, de don't deserve our innovation. They don't deserve our creativity. They don't deserve us thinking outside the box. They don't deserve, I think the biggest thing is they don't deserve a conversation with the people closest to the issue, right? <laughs> like we're making decisions about individuals who are seeking asylum or seeking a better life, deciding that these people are bad people, mm -hmm. but we're also not willing to communicate with them and say, why was this your choice? What's exactly. going on in your life and in your world that this, was the option because I think to your point individuals were escaping things but they were escaping things in a different way their their means of escape were different their reason for escape was different um and I also want to say you know I, I don't I don't get any pleasure out of making jokes and having you know a, a laughing moment about these billionaires who died because they also deserve our care too you know um, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with, you know, the ways in which they've probably been able to acquire their wealth, but that doesn't mean those people don't deserve, you know, uh, care and sympathy and, and compassion, you know, like I, I see, because again, those people were victims of capitalism too. They just thought that they were on the other side of it. They thought that they yeah. were in a place where they were protected, but they weren't, you know what I mean? And so, 
Um, those are the things that I think really stuck out to me. Um, and and while I don't, while I while I didn't follow these stories closely, I think the themes around these stories are what we see all the time. You know what I mean? I think you just, you know, you just can take out a story, but the elements of those issues are the same. You know, and so that's always what is um, just challenging to me because I don't know if we're getting to a place where we'll ever be able to reel those things back in and really start to have empathy for other people. And and interestingly, the way that we've been taught empathy is like putting yourself in someone's shoes. But I read a book by Brene Brown called Atlas of the Heart. And she, essentially what they did was they researched 87 emotions or like, uh, like uh, emotional experiences. And empathy was one of those things that they researched. And what she found from her research was that empathy is not necessarily about putting yourself in someone else's shoes but it's about listening to people's stories and believing their stories even when those stories do not necessarily align with your own experiences right so it goes back to what you said is when we don't think that those people's experiences are valid we have a hard time connecting with those people and so empathy is about believing people even when their reality does not align with yours. And like, how many of us can do that? How many of us struggle to do that? Why do we struggle to do that? What elements show up in those stories where you have this visceral reaction to not connect yourself to that experience? I think those are all questions that I think we should all ask ourselves when we are struggling to see people's humanity. Yeah. And I think another part of it is that some people have this idea that there always has to be a hierarchy of of places for people. Right. Um, yeah. And I think that there is comfortability in that. Right. And that notion of I am here, this individual or these groups of people are here. And as long as that is never, you know, interchanged, I am comfortable with that. Right. Um, yeah. And it allows me to find some type of comfort within the space that I'm in to know that, yeah, it could be worse, but it will never be my reality, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, what you talked about is being able to, even though these are the current stories that we're hearing, we can always interchange those, right? And the thing mm-hmm. I was having a discussion with someone the other day, and I was saying, you know, The thing that's so crazy to me is how we as Americans view migrants, right? When America is built off migrants, right? (laughs) Right. Where all of these different people, some by choice, some by some by force, but all of them came from somewhere else outside of Indians, right? They were here first. And We have migrated to this area and we still have this negative idea of people wanting to migrate to a better way of life. Um, mm-hmm. And that to me is, is so crazy. And even like, you know, with Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico is a part of the United States. And yep. one of the things that I learned during um, Hurricane Maria was there is this tax that those who live on the island have to pay. And although Puerto Rico is very rich in resources, very, very rich, um, a lot of their resources are taken and 
shipped off to the United States and other countries. And Mm -hmm. for the people who actually live in Puerto Rico, even though they live in this very rich, you know, land, they have to pay so much more for the products that are coming from their actual land. And so Mm -hmm. think about people not having the means. Here we have people who live in a very rich resource place and they are not able to afford what their actual community produces. Like, let's Mm. think about that for a minute. You live Mm. in a very rich community that has resources that you can utilize to feed your life and you cannot, it's not accessible to you because of the fees that are attached to it. Yeah. So when you think about that, and and even like Colombia, Colombia is somewhere that has a lot, again, a lot of resources. They have really good soil um, and it produces so much, you know, so many different resources. But Colombians do not have the access to those resources. So it's mm. not always about where you live, right? You can live somewhere that has unlimited resources, but it may be where there has already been some type of hierarchy put into place where you do not have access to those resources. So you have to live in a an unjust society, whereas mm-hmm. you see what could be yours. You are experiencing these things. And a lot of times the people who are picking up these resources do not have access to them, right? Mm-hmm. So like, I think like that's another discussion, right? Is that we have people who, who see these things they are able to see what life could be like but they are stopped from accessing that and I think like that also creates that well I see what is there I want it I have a desire to access it so I'm going to figure out how I can have access to it and I think that that's a reality for everyone, right? We see things on, on social media as one of them, right? We now have a glimpse of things that we may not have ever come in contact with yet in life, but we're able to see it. And now we have a desire to pursue those things. We have a desire to access those things. And a part of that desire is I'm going to figure out one way or another to meet the need that I have, whether okay. it be legally, illegally, it does not stop me from wanting that. Um, and I mm-hmm. think that that's a part of a discussion that a lot of people are not willing to have because, again, that hierarchy that they have placed themselves in is to say, this person is beneath me. It's not interchangeable. They will never move up. And as long as I keep my place in line, I'm good with it. You know, I, there's mm-hmm. a movie that actually kind of talks about this and um it's on netflix i think it's called um the name escapes me right now but basically there are these levels right and i forget how many levels there are but there's this food that it's like crazy amounts of food and it drops down per level and obviously those at the top are going to have the first you know grab of it but Mm -hmm. what they found is there's actually enough food for everyone. But the people at, who are higher up are so greedy that They're they hoarding. eat and hoard oh, food okay. 
to not allow the people beneath them to get it. Because the thing is, is that they had access to it. They were able to get it. They don't care about those beneath us. And even there's one gentleman who, um, after he's done, he's done eating and he's stuffed himself. He's like, can't even eat anymore. He's still trying to eat. He actually spits on the food as it goes down because the people beneath him are beneath him. Right. And Mm. that is how I think a lot of people view certain issues is not that they're going to spit on the resources, but that they are not even able to think about the people underneath them or Mm -hmm. people don't have as much access as them because that will never be them. And then there's the idea of, well, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Yeah. So if I could do it, what is preventing you from doing it? Right. So if I was able to enter this, this, um, the United States legally, this country legally, why can't you do the same? Not even admitting that your avenue to doing that may be very different compared to someone else just by what they look like and what they have access to. And again, I think that that's missing from the discussion. And I think that that has been, again, this story is something that is currently in the news and we are, you know, talking about it, but I think that we can replace those stories with so many other stories and it'd be the same song and dance. Um, And I think that that's something that we are missing as a society is having these realistic conversations about how, if we interchange these things, the same, um, the same type of information is is being missed each and every time. Mm -hmm. And again, I think it's just how people view it, how we've been taught by those who are in more powerful positions to kind of convince us and put these rose-colored glasses on us where we then have this hierarchy of ideas of, well, I'm never going to be in that position. I am here. They're there. So they did it all wrong and they're the person who should be prosecuted and not have any empathy or sympathy for them. And I think that that's a tale older than time is over and over again. Mm-hmm. We see that. Yeah. 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 Um, I think, I think that it is going to take a lot of honesty and a lot of, um, people who feel it's going to take a lot of honesty and for those people who do acquire or who do have that power because when you talk about the hierarchy what you're talking about is power people have power and in order for us to live in a society where everyone has what they need which is true equity that we have to be willing to lose something and I think that is the the challenge is what are we willing to lose so that other people can win, right? So that other people can have a life um, that is, they're deserving of. And and, and this kind of goes back to like what I was saying earlier in my, in my storm discussion is like, people are deserving of feeling worthy just for their existence, not for what they produce, not for what they can provide you, what they can bring to the table. It's people are, is, are deserving of, worth for merely existing so how can we get to a place where we don't see those migrants as uh bad people or um as undeserving of survival and of a- 
access to a life that is not filled with uh, traumatic events and complex trauma. But like, how do we get to a place where we we see ourselves in those people? And I don't know what the answer is, um, but I think it is something that I would like our listeners to think about is like, in, in, in what ways have you maybe shown up being someone who has negative things to say about someone or somebody's choices because it's something that you think you wouldn't do um you know how has that ever shown up for you and in 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 what ways is that helpful to this discussion about people being able to live a life uh with access to their basic needs being met you know how have how have you contributed to um that same conversation and um how can we recycle this conversation to because what I often find is that the same people who struggle and who like point the finger are also people who don't like oppression, but are okay when they're in a position to oppress people, right? Yes. Like there are people who recognize oppression when it's being done to them, but don't recognize the oppression when they're the oppressor. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. And, and my fear and my concern for for us as people is how do we get to a place where we um we don't become the people that we despise that we don't become the very thing that we hate right and and that just speaks to this culture in America right is that like it's 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 what the oppression what is done to us but we don't even see it as oppression when we're doing it, you okay. know? And so I just I just want us to be able to have a, a conversation where, where we can step out of how we truly feel to see it from a different perspective. And I will say, I don't have the easiest time doing that. Like, when I feel strongly about something, sometimes it's real hard for me to, to listen to people who I vehemently disagree with, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? But I think it, it is important um, as I get older and as I have, you know, deep conversations with people and just, you know, I like to know things. I like to learn things. I am starting to see the benefit of conversations that I can, uh, by people who I just don't agree with. You know what I mean? Um, so I think we owe it to ourselves as a society to really try to see where we could be contributing to some of the hurt that people experience, some of the, the pain that people experience, even if that's not our intention, you know, cause we're all coming to these situations with our own life experiences, our own beliefs, our own values. And, and, and by, by design, we're not going to always agree. Um, but how do we do that in a way that is respectful and that is truly honoring the other person's humanity, whether or not you agree with what they've done, but you're still able to honor that that person made a choice um, with a certain set of circum circum certain set of circumstances, life experiences, beliefs, and values that maybe were different from you, but that's how they chose to live. And they still deserve to be seen. Um, they still deserve to be seen, period. You know, they still deserve that. So and I think a part of that, and I think where we begin with that, again, we don't have all the answers, but I think, and one of the things that I would want our listeners to take away from this discussion is how can you validate 
someone else's experiences that mm-hmm. you yourself may not have experienced or yeah. um, has not been your experience, right? But still honor that that is their experience. And I think in doing that, even in, in small steps, right? Um, validating someone else's experiences, even if that has not been our own experience, is really where this work begins. And yeah. I think that it also teaches us if we are practicing this, it also helps others to practice it when we are the person who is trying to have our experience validated um, with someone else who is in our lives and we feel like we're not being heard. And I think there's power in that. There's power in giving someone that validation of telling their story, even if it is not similar to us or similar to our own experiences, because it allows them to give space to something. And when you're able to speak openly and be vulnerable about an experience that you had, it gives you the power and the space to unpack it, learn from it take something away, have some type of gratitude to then apply that knowledge for future experiences. And I think in giving people space to do that, it gives us our own space to do that. And I think that that's where we start out. That's what really should be the takeaway is on a macro level, right? How can you take away something from other people's experiences, even if it's not similar to that experience that you have had. Um, It's very, very important. And I think, you know, it honors that person, but it also gives you a space to honor your own experiences, right? Because we can have similar beginnings. Um, We could get to the same goal, but our actual journey and path may be very different. Like for instance, you and I both have degrees, right? We both mm-hmm. have degrees, we both have licensure, but how we got to getting just our bachelor's may be very different, right? Mm-hmm. And to honor that, we can still celebrate each other having our bachelor's degrees, but we yeah. also should celebrate that you know what, our paths might have been very different on how we got there. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it might have taken you four years and it might have taken me seven years, you know, but we still had the same goal and we still met it. But we also need to honor that, that path that we had to go through that journey that we had to go through. And I think in doing that, it allows us to be understanding of others, but also it gives us the space for others to be understanding of us. Because again, we are all one experience away from having, you know, trauma, having some type of hardship or obstacle. And the more we practice um, validating others, the more others will allow us that same space to validate our own experiences. And I think that that's one of the takeaways I would like our listeners to have during this, this episode is how are you choosing to validate others' experiences in your personal life, whether it be your loved ones, your friends, how are you choosing for this week to validate someone else's experience that may be very different from your own, but giving them space to speak and giving them um, the ability to, to have 
an interchange where they're talking about it and they're able to speak about it in a vulnerable place and you believe them. Yeah. I think yeah. that 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 is the key to start to really see progress is that, you know, we could talk about it on a large scale, right? And that's something that we definitely want to happen. But on a smaller scale, having these discussions with those around us, that's where change really starts, right? It's each interaction you have with someone is a a opportunity to ignite some type of change. Mm -hmm. And validating someone is so powerful. So, you know, this week, I really want people to be mindful and proactive in validating others' experiences that may be very different from our own, but giving them space to be vulnerable and talk about it. Um, And also allowing yourself to have space as well to validate your own experiences um, in your journey to whatever you're pursuing. I think that that should be also a takeaway from this podcast. Yeah, I like it. So I just had a thought that I think I want to add to the end where we just give one idea of how we're going to soar for the next few weeks. I like Since, that. You know, that's something that we're really trying to um, make sure that we pursue um, in spite of some of the fear, right? So so we'll talk maybe, maybe one way that we think we want to soar this week, but we want you all as listeners to take away that too. So, um, you know, we, we, we're still trying to play around with how often the podcast will be out, but we think we want to do twice a month. Um, and so on those off weeks, what are you doing to make sure that you soar in one way or another? And so I think for me, um, one way that I want to soar is by um, just finding ways to get out of this need to control um, I thought I was getting better, but maybe I'm not. So <laughs> so just try to find ways to get out of a routine or get out of what feels comfortable and uh, get out of this need for things to go a certain way um, and just utilize my resources around me, right? I have uh, a great support system and I think it's important for me in my growth journey to get more comfortable with utilizing the resources around me. So whether that's my husband, whether that's the friends that I have, um, whether that whether that is mentors that I have, um, I just want to, um, you know, get comfortable with, with relinquishing some of these ideas that I have and um, letting my support system support me. So that's one way that I think I want to try to practice soaring for, um, you know, the next couple of weeks. I like that. I think way I am going to soar is, and this is one thing that I have tried to practice throughout my life, is I am going to continue to practice gratitude um, with whatever experiences come my way. I think, you know, right now I am, you know, again, starting a business. Um, I'm trying to learn all of the different things in regards to that business, um, which comes with a lot of different experiences. And then I also have personal things that are going on in my life that are out of my control. Um, And, you know, I think a way to maneuver through all of these different new ventures is to practice gratitude and remind myself of what I have 
currently, what I have been able to overcome in my life. And knowing that I am not at the fin the finish line, I'm not at the start line either. And I have a sense of control on how I choose to view things. And every obstacle that I come across, I can either view it as, oh, here we go, like once again, or I can choose to practice gratitude and be thankful for that opportunity, but also be thankful that I'm facing this obstacle or opportunity with the knowledge that I have gained from my prior experiences. So I'm not going in it as um, someone who is inexperienced or someone who is like an infant right into the world. Um, And so that is the way that I'm going to choose to soar is to continue to practice gratitude, continue to remind myself that this too shall pass. And, you know, in order to celebrate the sunshine and the rainbows and growth, you do need to have water and it can nurture Mm -hmm. you and you um, need to have sun and water. And that is something that I am choosing to focus on that, you know, I'm okay with the rain. Um, It does not last forever. And even if Mm -hmm. it, you know, is kind of like a monsoon at the time, Mm -hmm. I am equipped with a raincoat. I'm equipped with an umbrella. I'm equipped with rain boots. And if I need to, I have shelter. And so that is what I'm going to choose to focus on for these next coming weeks is that, I have the tools and the resources to get through whatever I am facing um, and it too shall pass. So that's yeah. 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 So before we go, let's plug our businesses. We really didn't do that a whole lot this episode. (laughs) So um, my uh, business is free to be counseling services. It will be to provide individual, um, individual counseling to black women who struggle with anxiety, stress, uh, people pleasing, um, boundaries, self trust, and just living in an authentic life and really wanting to help Black women do that. Um, and we can spend more time talking about that. But um, you know, from some of the conversations that I have had with with Black women, it's just been challenging for them to find another a, a Black therapist that they can connect with and they can um, show up as their full self with. Um, and so that is why I decided to start free to be counseling services. Um, I'm licensed in Pennsylvania. Um, I'm a licensed professional counselor. So um, if you know anybody who struggles with those issues and are looking for um, a adult counselor, um, you can um, go to my psychology today. I have a fa- I have a, a Facebook and an Instagram. I'm more active on Instagram right now. Um, so my um, uh my um, IG is uh, free to be counseling services, but there are underscores uh, between free uh, two and B and then counseling services is one. So um, check out my psychology today. I'm also going to be um, on the uh, therapy for black girls directory as well. So if you want to, and my website is almost done. So I will have that um, up and coming pretty soon. Um, but yeah, check me out. And if you have, um, you know, if you know any black women who are looking for support and, um, uh, send them, send them my way. Yes. She's a dope therapist. So definitely. (laughs) Um, and my service is called social MacGyver. Um, my website is up and my, um, I do have an IG, a LinkedIn and a Facebook page, um, 
on like Dom said, I'm more active on my Instagram, um, which is just social MacGyver. And um, I am providing life services, life coaching services for um, young and middle-aged women who are dealing with like just life challenges um, and wanting to build their resilience, wanting to build um, their self-confidence, learning to advocate for themselves, and just learning how to ignite their inner social MacGyver. Um, It is something that I'm very passionate about. I am a certified life coach. I also am a licensed social worker. However, we will not be entering a therapeutic uh, relationship. I do have resources on my page. If you are looking for a therapist that you are able to um, access, Psychology Today is one of them, connecting with your insurance. Um, I do like to tell people that although I am licensed, um, I am not going to be doing a therapy relationship with you. Uh, But a big focus is just kind of helping people ignite um, different hardships and obstacles in their life and coming with innovative ways on how to do that. I'm someone who is a firm believer and from personal experience, I feel like there is not any type of obstacle that you face that you're not able to come through. Um, I think, do I think that the journey is is challenging and hard? Yes, I am not someone who's going to make it seem like it is rainbows and butterflies. But um, if you are truly willing to do the work, you're truly willing to um, go through the mud. I'm someone who will go through the mud with you and we will be able to come out the other side. And then you will take that knowledge that you gain from that experience and be able to apply it for future experiences. Because again, just because you have healed or overcome something does not mean that life now says, all right, we're going to put a placeholder here. They're good. They showed us who they were. We're going to leave them alone. That's not true. Um, so I, I want women who, you know, are going through grief, loss, um, just in an unsure place to please reach out to me. I have a lot of expertise and also personal expertise of just going through different struggles and being able to come out um, the other side. So definitely, you know, reach out to me. Um, or Dom, whatever you are wanting to pursue. Um, And even if we are not able to assist with you, um, we definitely can connect you with other resources. Like we said, it's important to have that therapeutic alliance. So we do want to make sure that the individuals we're working with, we are a good fit. And if we're not, no hard feelings, we can definitely refer you to some others who might be a better fit for you. But we just really want to normalize reaching out for help and knowing that life gets heavy at times and you don't have to take it all on your own. Um, so definitely, you know, reach out to us. We also have a Instagram for our podcast, which is, but what if I soar all one word? Um, and, you know, please reach out to us, um, message us with any questions, comments. Um, if you have anything that you are wanting us to cover in our ongoing podcast, you know, please reach out to us. We love to hear from you. Um, and again, like I said, we're on this journey together. We are still uncovering things, um, personally, professionally, um, and we are looking forward to soaring together. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that was a wrap for the first episode. I hope you guys come back. Uh, You know, look forward to, um, again, more content around mental health, but definitely content um, always 
our our goal was to always connect it back to to, to the mental health aspect. So uh, we hope that this was enjoyable for you, and we hope to see you back in a few weeks. Yes, and we will have a link to this podcast on um, Apple as well as on Spotify and YouTube podcast. And we will have like a snippet of this episode on our actual Instagram, which is, but what if I soar? So um, again, you know, definitely check the um, different social medias for us. We will continue to come out with different content. Um, and we're here if you have any questions. Absolutely. Until next time. All right.